everybody. Welcome into Locked On Suns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's I'm your host, Evan Sutter. I'm joined by co-host Brennan Clean. You can follow me on Twitter at East Sutter. You can follow Brennan on Twitter at BrennanClean14. You can also follow our Locked On Suns page on already at Locked On PHX Suns. Your supporters very much appreciate it, as always. We're joined today for our Monday episode, three days a week throughout the offseason, as you guys know by now. We're going to focus entirely on DeAndre Ayton today, though. The number one overall pick last year in the 2018 draft, the first one in Suns history. He had a great season, though. He had 16 points, 10 rebounds, 60 true shooting percentage. But there's still room for improvement for the guy that has to take, I think, a big leap this year for the Suns to actually be more competitive in games this year. So, Bren, let's start off here just to let the listeners in on what today's episode is going to be about. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it. I think uh, it's just along the lines of what we did with Devin Booker here. I think, you know, we've made a lot of the fact that just the way the Suns built their roster this summer uh, puts a lot on Aiton and Booker. I don't necessarily think we need to see all of that right now. And I think, you know, even discussing him in the same context as Booker, I, I don't even think we need to see as much from Aiton as we do from Booker just because he's earlier in his career. But uh, we're going to kind of bounce back and forth here on a few things that we think are the the bigger picture areas in which Aiton needs to develop for the Suns to kind of be on the right track here. And uh, I can start us off. Um, I think the, the for, I mean, I think all of these are going to be, we're not, we're not breaking any news on today's podcast by any means. I think most listeners will know what Aiton needs to do better. And I think he has said it. I think coaches have said it. It's pretty obvious. Um, it's just a matter of kind of seeing maybe more specifically what needs to happen to get there. But the first one for me is, it's just his his mentality, his aggressiveness. Um, and I think, you know, that's something I've been thinking a lot about. And one of the reasons that with more time away from Igor Kokoshkov's tenure here that I've gotten, I think, a little bit lower on Igor is just uh, I, I, I don't envy the person who has to try to coach aggressiveness out of a player to whom it doesn't come naturally. But I also think that is what coaching is about. And it's not as if this was a problem that originated under Igor, but I think it's something that he uh, did not do enough to get to, to to get rid of and to to make Aiton just a more generally aggressive player on both ends of the court. What did what do you kind of make of Igor's involvement of all of that, and just kind of what you think can happen to make it less of an issue this year? I think you you hit it around the money there because he needs more of a disciplinary coach. He needs a guy I think relates more to him because, I mean, we were around him every day for almost all the home games last year. And we can tell at practices, too, DeAndre is a bubbly personality. If you're a U of A fan, if you're a U of A alum, you know this watching him at U of A, that he's a bubbly personality. He's a joking guy. I know some people took the wrong way some games when DeAndre was joking around with Caliber about some fashion after a 20-point loss or if he was talking about, oh, if you're down by 25 points, we're not going to come back and win. Like, that's – that's the type of stuff I think, Bren, that a coach needs to hit it on and hit it on early and immediately. And I think it kind of ties into one of my main points here, too, because aggressiveness really for a center nowadays, I know it's more finesse as guys are moving back and back towards the three-point line. But I think for Aiden especially, his dominance near the rim last year, even though he's more of a, a finesse type of player, I think that's where you have to build it on from the from the bottom out. And that's what Igor is trying to do there. But just like we mentioned, his personality and it, it didn't seem like he really had control of that locker room, so to say. And I think that's one of the main things that Monty Williams got to hit on is DeAndre, you're supposed to be a 20 and 10 guy. You have to be that. It's time to be that. You're number one pick. No more excuses. Yeah. And I think, you know, like I don't want to try to be a psychologist here by any means or 
act as if I know the right way to connect with somebody. That's why Monty's getting paid a lot more than me this season. But I think, uh, I do think that an aspect of Monty's job this year is going to be kind of eliminating some of those uh, easygoing tendencies on Aiton's part. You know, I think that's an, uh, it's perfectly reasonable when you're playing as well on the court for the most part as you are uh, as a rookie, as, as he did as a rookie to kind of handle yourself that way. I really didn't take much issue with it. And I think honestly, there were a lot of nights where it was overblown. And I think his honesty uh, with his, with his own mistakes and his own shortcomings took people off guard. I think it was, it's not common to see that in young players. So I think that, you know, is perfectly excusable to me, but I do, I do think it needs to kind of tone down this year, especially uh, with the desire to improve by quite a bit. You know, this isn't a, really a rebuilding team anymore. At least they don't want to be thought of that way. They're not operating as a tanking or looking at the top five picks kind of team. And if they are trying to win 30 something games or more, you can't afford to have one of your best players, you know, handle himself day to day in the kind of lighthearted way that Aiton did. I mean, what do you think can be done there? I mean, what do you, what have you seen from Monty? Like, what do you think about different teammates? Like, is there anything that gives you signs of optimism that it'll be reasonable to expect that, mood to kind of change a little bit and get more serious? I don't have the exact numbers in front of me here, but I feel like even though DeAndre Aiden was only 21 last year, he was probably one of the six or seven most oldest guys on the team, which is just crazy to say because there were so many young guys on this team. And I feel like that James Jones kind of ripped all those young guys off the team and added in actual veterans where Aiden now is going to be one of the younger guys on the team again. And that's going to be good for him because Aaron Baines, I think, is one of the guys who's hit on this segment too because no offense to Rashawn Holmes. I think Rashawn Holmes is one of the top five, six best players on the Suns last year. But I think for what the Suns need to extract out of DeAndre and his long-term value, you need a tough guy, a guy who's going to really, really, um, so to say, kick his butt in practice every day and then really toughen him up. It's Aaron Baines, and he's one of the hardest-setting screeners in the NBA. I want to see what Aiden's reaction is if he gets screened in practice once by one of those Baines screens. Like, if he's going to get mad, if he's going to like, oh, I don't know. I, I think that – they need all these veterans around him. I think it's a good insulator for what Aiden has to do to improve this year is adding in all these veteran guys. I mean, James Jones, at least on the right track there, I think. Yeah, definitely. That's a good, a good point. I mean, I, I agree that that was the reason Baines was brought in at least a, a big part of it from what it seems like, but I do uh, think that has still kind of gone under the radar as far as the conversation specifically about Aiden and just what that will do for him. And I think too, I, I guess like, Igor was doing this, uh, which is to kind of simplify Aiton's the the duties that he has within even a single possession and really um, eliminate the overthinking that I think a lot of rookies have. And I actually think that is is part of the reason that Aiton had such a successful rookie season is that he wasn't, you know, given the ball and just kind of like, okay, go to work at the elbow. Let's give you 20 ISOs a night. That was not what he was doing. And I think that's part of the reason he was so efficient. But I think the problem was that there just wasn't enough uh, help around him. There wasn't, yes, Aiton only had to do a certain set of things, set a screen here, cut here, roll to the rim, box out for an, an offensive rebound, whatever it was, but there wasn't enough talent to make that happen. So I think, you know, just more broadly, the spacing and having Ricky Rubio, I think their offense is, you know, we've talked a bunch already. We talked with Cole quite a bit about it. Their offense is, I think, going to be pretty decent, like league average level this year. And I think having 
more of a functional set of players around him, especially on offense, will just be pretty enormous. So I, I'm hoping that just kind of having real teammates, uh, no offense to any of the guys last year, I hope that helps. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think one of the points I was going to hit on this segment too, we can go through quickly, is you kind of covered most of the bases there with his grefts in this. But one number I think that's going to be key for him moving forward is actually his free throw attempts per game. And last year was a disappointing number, I think, for a guy like DeAndre. And then 3.1 per game for a guy who's very aggressive near the rim, a guy who's very efficient near the rim. I'm looking at these numbers here on basketball reference when you compare some recent number one picks in the draft. DeAndre in with Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, and Carl Anthony Towns. Aiden actually ranks lowest among them excuse me I actually misread it 2.7 per game not 3.1 and beat at 7.9 his rookie year Davis had 3.5 Towns 3.4 8 and 2.7 it's actually really far behind us from even Towns and Davis there I think we get to see a leap this year as far as if he's gonna be a top five top three center in the NBA eventually he needs to get that aggressiveness at the free throw line going where there's easy points for you like him where he shoots nearly 80 percent from the free throw line yeah I mean I think there's a lot of games that stick out in our heads when we think about Aiton and this season he just had and I think um, the, for for from the defensive end, I think it's the the Magic game, and you know maybe even that Nets game, kind of around the same time. And I think offensively, it's it's the Nets game as well. But the that home performance against the Nuggets, the twenty four point quarter, going up against an MVP candidate, Nikola Jokic, a guy who he had a lot of trouble with when they played the first time in October, and then you know just that type of player really. Uh, got to him a lot of the time last year. Very strong, skilled players. Gave him a lot of trouble. Even a guy like Yusuf Nurkic, not at the same level as Jokic, made it tough on him. And to see him do that against Jokic was huge. And I think a big reason he did it was um, playing more physically inside. I don't remember exactly how many free throw attempts he had in that game. But I think what helped him be successful that night was uh, making it happen from the free throw line. He only attempted three. Um but I, I just think that that type of aggression inside is is what will stick with me, and I, I think more free throws than three will come more often than not when he's uh, when he's handling himself that way on the inside. Yeah, I'm looking at his overall free throw attempts last year in the game logs here on Basketball Reference. He only had three instances last year where he shot above seven free throw attempts per game, and and two of those came early in the season, which I think now it more so never. You'd hope now with only 12 shots per game last year, I know you were kind of simplified things for him, which I think helped him in the long run as far as just focusing on the little things. I think we're going to see a bigger role for DeAndre and hopefully at least more free throw attempts per game. What do you envision the role next year for Aiden on offense? I think it's going to be a, a bona fide number two option now, maybe getting like 14 to 15 shots per game behind Booker's usual 18 to 20. I think that actually goes into my second kind of bullet point on him. So do you want to take a break and then break that down? Yeah, we'll go right ahead into that. And before we do, I want to tell everyone really quickly about our Locked On NFL show. The new Locked On NFL is on fire. Last week was one of the most listened to NFL shows. With the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson, hosted by Brian Peacock, Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL at Matt's need take on the game. Follow Locked On NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. All righty, Brian, I'll give you the floor here for your second point to start us off. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's decision-making. So I think what goes into that, I mean, I'm – I'm mostly thinking about it on offense, but I think defense too. I mean, obviously, um, making good decisions is important in basketball, no matter what side of the floor you're playing. But when it how how it kind of bleeds into the point you made to end the last segment of where his role will end up, I think a lot of it has to do with how much trust he can earn from Monty Williams. You think about 
some of the unique players that are still the hub of an offense around the NBA from the post. And I think of, uh, you know, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, Nikola Jokic, most notably. And all of those guys cycle through all of the various options available to them in, the, in, a, in a split second with ease. And they're very efficient in terms of not turning the ball over. I mean, Embiid struggles with that, but more often than not, he's creating a good shot for himself or a teammate. And I think the other thing that goes into that is all three of those guys are really good passers. Um, I guess you could probably throw Draymond Green in there as well, but he's not really a guy who's posting up all that often. He does it differently. So I think he needs to be able to become a better passer and, and just kind of make the right play more often. And it's not even just about, I think this is actually separate from aggressiveness. You know, how many times early in the year did we see the, like I, you know, the Jared Allen defensive strategy of I'm going to play off this guy by like six feet and just see what happens. And he did not make the right decision. And that, that really held him back for the majority of last season. I, I want that to go away. And I think he'll become more of a, of a hub of the offense if he can clean that up. Yeah, I'm just looking here. I know it's an unfair comparison to make between one of the greatest passing big men and DeAndre Ayton, but in his rookie season, Nicole Jokic had 18% assist percentage. Ayton was at 9.6. I feel like that could easily rise to like a 12, 13 range of more usage in the offense there. And what do you think is the upside for a playmaker like Ayton? Because we saw it at glimpses at U of A. We saw it last year at points when he was the focal point. I think he has actually really high playmaking upside for a seven-footer. Yeah, so... Using that same number, he was at uh, 10.2% in college assists percentage. And I think he could even do better than that. I, I think in college, you know, his role was even different where it was probably a better call more often than not to not pass the ball because his teammates were not as talented even as they are obviously here in the NBA with the Suns. So I think there is untapped potential there. And I think uh, his skill set is is plenty... I think we've seen plenty from him skill-wise to believe that he can do more as a passer. And I don't even think, you know, I honestly feel like maybe it's just the the NBA moving away from the post or maybe there's just not as many uh, post players who focus on as passers as much as maybe shooters and, and you know, perimeter players. But I, I just really feel like... um it just feels like it's it's kind of gone away and, and maybe become overstated how difficult it is to to pass from the post. I don't think he needs to become Nikola Jokic, and I know you're not making that comparison either, but I think he needs to he just needs to be smarter. He just needs to move the ball to the right place, find open teammates, find holes in the defense, uh, and and play off of his teammates better. You know, and I think that it, it's kind of almost the opposite of the aggressiveness factor. And it's going to be really difficult as it is for any young player to balance both of those. How do I stay aggressive, but also play within my role um, and try to earn a bigger role if it's available to me? Those are, those are tough things to do at the same time. But as we said, you know, a lot is riding on his growth and I think he has to be able to balance both things at once. And I think just kind of playing smarter when the ball is in his hands is going to go a long way for him. I think for my other point, this might come as a surprise to you, Brendan, but we're gonna. I think we're agree on the last point, which we're gonna hit on, which I think is the defense in our last segment of today's show. But for me, it might be a surprise to you, but I want to see him shoot more threes this year. I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago. He shot thirty four point six percent from three at U of A on a small sample size. Once kind of got into conference play, just became a, a dominant inside player. But 
he has the touch. And I want to see with improved shot mechanics and a little tweaks here and there how Aiden could be from the outside because we see it with Crown Anthony Towns. I don't think he's ever going to get to that that standpoint, Crown Anthony Towns shooting 40% from three. But if he can at least be like Embiid-esque, like 32 33%, spread out the floor a little bit. I know it's going to help out a lot more this year. We have Cam Johnson, Ty Jerome, and a, a lot more shooters around him this year. But I want to see Aiden actually stretch the floor a little, bit, a little bit this year. And I think it could actually pay dividends if he can become a guy who can make the the, the center he's guarding him stretch out about the five extra feet. He can maybe use that playmaking ability and find a cutter like Mikhail Burris or Kelly Bray near the rim. Yeah, it would help the the offense in general, but I think it would also make things easier on him where the defense can't overplay him you know going back to the way that Jarrett Allen and it wasn't just the Nets we we saw a lot of teams play him that way of uh, not giving him the proper attention on the perimeter because they knew he wasn't going to take them and I think that's one area where uh, Igor maybe does deserve some criticism it definitely felt like there were times when uh, DeAndre was uh, kind of eager to to take those and and I don't know if we really ever got an explanation of why that wasn't happening maybe I mean obviously some of the blame falls on him there too but I think it's something we will see and I think the thing with the uh drawing kind of comparisons with Embiid or even Jokic I'm not sure how many Jokic takes and just to clarify like anyone listening who thinks it's silly to be comparing him to these guys I think you and I would agree, Evan, that he's not even close to the level, but I think that's the company he aspires to be in down the line. So it's it's important to use those guys, and especially their early career numbers, um, just to, to see where he could end up. But volume-wise, I think is where it's important when you compare how Embiid and Jokic stretch the floor. They're not elite, elite shooters from deep. Jokic has only had one season where he was above average. Embiid really hasn't had any, so... He just needs to take them. And like you're saying, that'll keep the defense more honest. It'll space the floor better. It'll open things up for everybody else. I think it'll just make the Suns offense more dynamic in general. I mean, we all know how important spacing is. And watch any game, especially when it's one team who can't space the floor and one team who can, which happened most nights for the Suns because they were the team who couldn't. You just see it's so obvious how much easier that makes things. So I think he'll just be a more impactful player if he starts putting those shots up, even if they're not going in at a 40% clip. And maybe they never do, but it's going to be important for him to to take advantage of the skill he does have. Did you see that clip of him uh, taking a few of them at, at Jamal Crawford's uh, whatever pro-am tournament? Yeah, I did. They actually looked pretty good. and I think Yeah, a little, a little flat better. still. But yeah, yeah, a little right. flat. The leg kick, I think... I think maybe it's being away from TJ Warren. I hate to do a day like that, but the leg kick is kind of going away from, from DeAndre Ayton's game, which is nice to see as far as perimeter shots. Saw it way too often at U of A, but what do you think is the upside here for Aiden on the offensive end? I know he averaged 16 and 10, 60 true shooting percentage, but I go back to his college stats, 20 points, 12 rebounds. I feel like that's a there. If he can actually be more of a hub of the offense and have more usage because brought the Jokic and MB points, but I think listeners need to realize here, if the Suns ever want to be a, a playoff contender, a legit title contender within the next four to five, six years, Aiden's going to have to reach that level. It's kind of crazy that he averaged 10.3 rebounds, and we just spent a whole segment talking about his aggressiveness. We spent a whole season and another offseason now talking about his aggressiveness. It wouldn't feel like from the way that conversation operates that he rebounded as well as he did. Um, I think you're right, though. Like That number can and probably will go up especially on the offensive glass. I think that can be another area where he contributes more than he did last season. And then 
uh, yeah, I mean, he just has to he just has to score more eventually. I think he will. I think he'll get more shots this year. I think he'll just be involved more because I, as much as we said, all these things he will need to get better at in order to earn the trust of Monty Williams. I think he will do a lot of those things and at least for one, you know, his second season enough to kind of earn more of a, of a role, more of an opportunity. So, and he doesn't have a, you know, I think Aaron Baines is a great backup, but I don't think it'll be a similar situation where he's getting benched in favor of the backup quite as often this year. So maybe that helps his confidence. It'll obviously help his production if he's just on the court more. So I think there's a lot of things working in his favor this year to just see it kind of naturally tick up. Um, And I think, just playing smarter, like I said, will be a big reason for why. But do you have anything on his offense here before we go on to his defense in the last segment? Yeah, just real quickly, I, I was just noticing the point you brought up there about the rebounding. He averaged 3.1 offensive rebounds per game. That's surprising. I'm looking at Andre Drummond here, who I think is kind of a really good comp for rebounding potential. He had 2.8 offensive rebounds per game his rookie year, but then his second year jumped to 5.5. So if that can add for DeAndre and he could be one of the best rebounders in the NBA, and that really goes alongside aggressiveness too, just being more familiar and aggressiveness. So that's really, I think he could be a dominant 20 and 10 guy, but I think the rebound, like you mentioned there, to close things out. That's one of the more underrated aspects. We haven't really talked too much about this offseason. Yeah, and he, I mean, he has the athleticism to to dedicate himself to rebounding. I don't know if he'll ever be unleashed offense on the offensive glass quite as much as Drummond is, especially if he's shooting from the perimeter a little bit more and kind of being more involved as an offensive player rather than just kind of being stationed around the rim in the dunker spot or on pick and roll dives. Um, I don't, you know, maybe he'll never get to the, to Drummond's level, but I agree. He can definitely trend in that direction. And I think a big leap up in year two is not on wouldn't be unexpected, but we will move on to the defense, which is, I think kind of the, the real, I guess the the milestone he's most capable of reaching this year, and I think the most important one too, in the next segment. But before we do so, I wanted to tell you guys about Locked On Fantasy Football. I hope you're already listening to it because I've been telling you about it for a little while now. And I know my draft's coming up, I think, two weeks from today. I know a lot of people are already drafting. So go over to Locked On Fantasy Football and let Vinny Iyer, host Vinny Iyer, give you the edge thanks to his 20 plus years covering the game of fantasy football. So don't listen to the same old stuff as everyone else, because then everything you do will be the same as everybody else. So get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and all season long by going to locked on fantasy football on your favorite podcast provider. All right. I'll give you the floor for defense. I'll let you kind of set the table here. What do you think when you think of like boxes that he could realistically check here in year two for Deandre Ayton when it comes to defense? I think it has to be rim protection. I think that's where we should start off with because last year, Aiden averaged only 0.9 blocks per game. I'm just on basketball reference here comparing the rookie seasons now of MB, Davis, Towns, and Jokic to Aiden in the, the defensive category. Jokic only had 0.6 blocks per game, but Towns, Davis, and MB doubled or tripled Aiden in his production on that end. And if he wants to be a top three center in the NBA, he's going to have to really take a leap this year, in my opinion, as far as being a player who's reliable on the defensive end because far too often last year we saw some games where he just really wouldn't rotate over there to help out. It would be just putting too much pressure on Ubre, putting too much pressure on even a guy like Ryan Harrison early on the season. That was just a, a trained <laughs> nightmare. That was horrible to watch the first few weeks of the season when Aiden didn't really know what he was doing there. But I think this year, more so than ever, it's going to have to be Aiden, DeAndre, you're going to be patrolling the rim. That's your job. That's where you should focus on first. I don't care about maybe 20 and 10. I think if he becomes a guy who's maybe just 16 and 10 like last year, Brent, but he gets two blocks per game, 
I had so many things for his potential. I think that's where he, the biggest growth could be seen, obviously, is on the rim protection end. And because we've seen already with his, his switch ability, he's a very fast guy for a seven foot one, 250 pound guy, but his rim protection ability is severely lacking at this stage. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's kind of surprising to look through some of the advanced numbers and see how much they actually like him. But I agree that when you start to talk about the other guys that were on the court with him, it becomes a little more clear why the stats favored him so much because Rashawn Holmes, not a great defensive player, a little too hyperactive, I think, and they had no power forward all year. So having Aiton there was better than any other option for them. But I think it also speaks to the fact that um, he did make, I mean, I don't even know if you would say strides. I think he just came into the league a little bit more ready than we expected on that end. The bar was very low because he was not, very effective at all defensively in college and had a lot of red flags coming in. But I think after the first maybe two or three weeks of the year, he he righted the ship a little bit and made things a lot easier on himself by just letting things come to him. And, you know, I think he just kind of got the system a little bit more to all things that make sense. But uh, one of the defensive stats that is a little bit more trustworthy than others is the field goal percentage allowed inside six feet. So around the basket, because that's more trustworthy of Aiton actually being the guy that was responsible for stopping the shot rather than some, you know, perimeter data for that, which is not always great, but he allowed 63% within six feet of the basket. I would assume at the rim would be even worse. I don't have that pulled up quickly enough in front of me here, but that has to go down. I mean, that's just, giving up too many easy shots around the basket and with how conservatively I think we expect them to play with him just kind of hanging out down there and, and letting the the ball handler come toward him he has to be able to read those and make an impact more consistently blocking or not yeah I'm, I'm right there with you and that, those are really just some poor numbers you brought up there as far as rim, rim protection goes and near the rim at six feet that's that's like Jokic Vucevic type numbers and let me ask you this is about Aiden overall. I know we're talking about his defense right now, but if he doesn't make enough strides defensively over the next couple of years, do you think his offense could reach an elite enough point where it could counteract that sort of like Nicole Jokic? I mean, uh, I think that severely limits the ceiling for them. Um, just in general, I think they, ha- they you have to have good interior defense. You don't have to do it the same way as every other team and, and it, you know, maybe certain matchups, it's not as important, but you have to have an option there. You know, if they do continue to use him as a switch defender more throughout his career over the next few seasons, maybe things just look different and his rim protection is, is covered up a little bit, but we know there'll be times when that still will be exposed. So I think he has to improve. I think this upcoming season, I'm not, you know, I don't think it's as dire because I think some of those calculations we're talking about are, playoff matchups and uh, you know adjustments on the part of a coach that have to come in the playoffs. I think in the regular season, it's less of a problem and, and just sticking to the scheme and, and executing basic concepts is enough to be pretty, pretty close to average in the regular season. So I think he could make pretty big strides this year uh, and then it'll just be a matter of what happens in the playoffs. But I know we're not talking about Nikola Jokic, but I, I mean, he's actually always graded out as an incredible impact player on defense relative to when he's off the court for his team. And he let only 59% of shots go in within six feet of the basket last season. So he's slow in plotting, but they've created a scheme where he's hedging out and stuff that, that makes up for him. So I think maybe that is a useful lesson to just think of 
maybe not imagining can Aiton do what he was asked to do last year at a higher level, but can he grow in some areas that allow the, the team to get a little more creative with him and maybe mask those a little bit more? Maybe I'm too greedy, Brennan, but if I was Monty Williams and the coaching staff, I would just lock Aiton in a room all day on the first day of practice or training camp, whenever this would be, and just have him watch the magic overtime period over and over and over and over again and just be like, you have to do this every single game or we're not going to win games. I just think that he sure. showed that in that match. He showed in the Magic game last year that he, he's capable of doing that. He could be a dominant rim protector with the genetic ability he has. He's a freakish athlete, but he's just not active enough in that sense. And I feel like if he could actually reach that potential, it changes the entire calculus, not only for Aiden himself, but it vaults the Suns up. And I think the next couple of years, he comes an elite rim protector. It takes him to a whole different stratosphere, in my opinion. I think you're right. And I think uh, another guy to mention, maybe kind of my last point here is just uh, we talked about Baines. I think that will be huge. And I think, um, you know, I, it remains to be seen if Baines will be happy, but I think it, I think it will work. I think it can work. I think acknowledging on draft night that they did want to keep him will probably go a long way rather than treating him as some guy they can flip down the line or buy out or whatever. It seems, uh, Seem to me, if I was in his position, I would be pretty excited to be uh, in the same room as Aiton and be a mentor there and help a team build. But who knows? I think the other guy, though, that I wanted to hit on is is just Rubio. And you said they should lock him in a room and have him just play back the tape of that Magic game. I think they should have him play back the the beautiful chemistry that Rubio and Ruby Gobert had. Now, I don't think we'll ever see Aiton become Ruby Gobert, who's already cemented himself as one of the better inside defensive players ever. I mean, he's already won defensive player of the year and been the best interior defender pretty much his whole career. But that that's the guy I think they want. At least that's how Igor played him. And I think that's how we'll start with, with Monty next year. And Rubio was perfect at it. Rubio is the perfect partner for Gobert. And I think he can play a similar role for supporting Aiton on that end. And I hope that that relationship grows on the court in a way that can make Aiton's life even easier and that uh, you know he can learn from because I think there's something to be said for how smart Rubio is defensively and we think of de- we think of big men as kind of the guys who clean up the garbage on defense but I think it can it can go the other way around too where having stronger guys in front of you can make your life uh, a little bit simpler too as a, as a defensive big so I think we could see Rubio have a big impact as well. Yeah, we, we brought up a plenty with Baines, with Rubio, with the coaching staff. I think everything's in place for Aiden to take a leap this year. But I think he's actually the most intriguing player for the Sun this year. I know we've we've reached a point at Den Booker where I think we're just eager to see what happens in year five. But I think for DeAndre and especially, we've seen all the elite superstar big men in year two take that leap. Just how big of a year is year two for DeAndre? And because I know people want to look ahead to like 2021, 2022, when Booker and Aiden are in their primes together. But I think year two for a big man especially, that it's proven or it's pr- pretty much put up or shut up time for DeAndre and to take that leap to elite number one big man. Yeah, I think I'm less like uh, immediate about it at, than you, just in that I, I think they can probably get to where they want to be in the 30s range, make a sizable jump from last season without him being that right now. I think it's kind of along the same lines as how I feel about their win total, which is just we'll be able to see how how much closer they are to relevance regardless of how many games they win. Um, and I think it'll be the same for Aiton where I think he'll make leaps and I we all we both already talked about 
what areas statistically he should and, and can improve in. But I, I don't even think that's what I'm most closely going to be watching. It's just, can he impact the game more? And that's very simple, but I think we'll be able to tell that pretty early in the year, and it'll be something to watch over the course of the year um, because that'll that'll show me a lot more. You know, even something as simple as, as rim protection, which we just spent this segment talking about, that doesn't always show up in blocks or even defensive field goal percentage allowed at the rim. So we'll just be able to see it and I'm excited to see it, but I agree that it, he is, he's definitely the individual player who I'm most intrigued by this year and whose, whose growth matters most for the team. Cause Booker's already at the level he needs to be. I mean, he'll make incremental improvements, but he's already proved it that he can achieve great individual success for Aiton. That's not uh, necessarily clear yet. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Anything else you wanted to cover as far as Aiden goes? I know this is a, actually an interesting one for the listeners out there. No, I mean, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll probably dive into him plenty more when we start up our season preview stuff, which I guess we can let everyone know. We'll be starting up here at the beginning of September, just a couple weeks away, using that whole month of September to prep everybody for training camp, which will start up the very tail end of that month. So, uh, yeah, but for today, I think this gives plenty to chew on for everybody. Absolutely. This is a great episode of DeAndre and Deep Dive from Brennan and I. We'll be back to you guys on Wednesday, though, for our next episode of Locked on Sun.